Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This experience happened to me when I was 14 years old. I hadn't spoken to anyone about the event since it happened, not even my significant other. But I'm 20 years old now, about to double major with my first two degrees in psychology and anthropology. Recently as well, for reasons unknown to me, the memories of this strange happening have resurfaced and are continuing to plague my waking thoughts, as well as my unconscious and subconscious too. As we are taught in psychology, talking about the situation could help with repressed trauma. So, here it goes. So I live in the high desert mountains of Southern California, situated just below the Nevadas. My town is no booming metropolis by any means. At the time, our largest market was a Kmart, one of the last still in business, I might add. And I think that we only had like four stoplights in the whole town. And this takes place in a subsection of the town about 13 miles from the shops, I'd say, banks and restaurants, in a small community larger inhabited by retirees. It smack dab in the middle of summer and the temperatures were well into the high 90s to low 100s. My nightly routine would consist of walking my Australian shepherd, but I would always wait until it was almost dark to avoid the heat. I grab my phone, a small pocket knife, some headphones, my pup, and I set out for my nightly walk. My community is also home to a significant amount of equestrian riders as well as cattle ranchers too. The trails that I walked were designated horse riding trails set between pastures. That night, I had decided to take the horse trail that stretches for approximately two miles between back-to-back paddocks. It's basically a a long, narrow trail that is between very large backyards. 
My ending destination was the equestrian center, a communal equestrian park where all types of horse riders could enjoy various activities on their horses. So making my way through the sandy terrain of the trail, it was nearly dark now. The sky was becoming a deeper shade of blue every time that I looked up, and my dog was becoming harder to see as well. I estimated my arrival at the equestrian center to be around 15 minutes from my current position. So I sent a text to my mother and I said, I'll be at the equestrian center in about 15 minutes. Could you meet me up there? I'm too tired to walk back. My mother replied, sure, I'll leave in 10 minutes. And at this point, I was just outside the east entrance of the equestrian center where the enchanted forest trail connects to the straight trail that I was on. Sort of like a, maybe like a three-way intersection. You can either go left into the Enchanted Forest Trail or go straight into the Equestrian Center. But before I reached the intersection of the trails, I noticed a, a weird shift in my dog's behavior as she became anxious and seemingly worried about something. She had her eyes fixated to the forest and stopped dead in her tracks. I played it off as just another animal within the forest, like a bobcat or a boar as they weren't uncommon in this area. I gave her a slight tug on her collar, although she was still incessantly focused on the forest, but with a little more convincing, I was able to get her moving forward, pushing towards the equestrian center where my mother would be waiting for our arrival. And now it was nearly pitch black, with only the moon guiding me with its low light, and there was just the slightest of visibility, forcing me to turn on my cell phone's dim flashlight. Entering the equestrian center now, I noticed something that startled me immensely. There was a, a very tall person, a man about 10 to 15 feet into the Enchanted Forest Trail with his back towards me standing completely still, his head facing the sky and his hands open, palms pointing in front of him while his arms are at his side. He was tall, maybe about 6 feet if I had to guess, slim build, short dark hair, was wearing what looked like to be light blue scrubs, or at least a, a very thin blue napkin-like material, and was also barefoot. But what startled me the most was his demeanor and what he was doing. His stance was enough to scare anyone in that setting, but as I approached him slowly, it appeared to me that he was shaking, vibrating, or slightly convulsing, but doing so while standing. It didn't seem like he had any control over it too, although he remained balanced perfectly. Scared though now, and I'm not entirely sure what to do, I asked him, Uh, hello? Excuse me? I paused momentarily and raised my voice slightly with the next question. Is everything alright, sir? When I said that, he stopped shaking altogether, but still doesn't turn around or move another muscle. He just remains that same creepy position and doesn't even move. For a brief moment too, I, I honestly thought that maybe I was imagining this. But then I glanced down at my dog and she was also concerned with the state and condition of this man and also began growling quietly. It was at that point too that I knew that this all wasn't in my head. When I looked back up, he had moved closer to me, about seven feet closer in fact, now almost on my trail's path. I had only looked at my dog for a split second and he did it without even making a sound. He still wasn't facing me either and his hands were still open, head still facing the sky. 
I wasn't about to wait and see what this guy was doing or what his intentions were. So, slowly and steadily, I eased my way past him towards the equestrian center as quietly as I could before I felt like I was at a, a safe enough distance to start sprinting as fast as I could away from this guy. When I finally reached the first arena of the equestrian center, I sort of looked back into the direction of the forest completely out of breath now, and there he was. This guy was standing at the edge of the trail outside of the forest, just standing there, but now he was facing me. I was too far away to see his face, and frankly, I just didn't want to. I couldn't make out features. All I could see was his silhouette illuminated by the moonlight, peeking through the forest trail. And I continued to just run with no intention of stopping, until I found someone. And man, I had never been so happy to see my nagging neighbor Penny and her mooding mare, Jolene, riding in the Milano area. She noticed my distress, but due to her already harsh opinions of me... I had told her that I'd been on an endurance run and was just very out of breath and tired. I wanted to avoid any sort of small town gossip as much as I could to be honest, but my mother arrived with impeccable timing too, and during the ride home I just broke down into a, a state of paranoia, distress and panic at what I had just witnessed. My mother, my poor mother, didn't know exactly what to make of it, so... She recommended that I file a police report with the local PD. About an hour after getting home, an officer shows up to take my statement. Following up the next day, the same officer claims to have went and checked out the area, but didn't find anyone or anything out of the blue, apart from some partial bare footprints. But there's nothing incriminating or suspicious about someone going for a walk without shoes, so... He just sort of played it off as a joke and accused me of being under the influence, but I can assure you that I was completely sober. And nothing ever came out of this too. I eventually attended weekly therapy sessions for almost two years following this event, and I never went on walks by myself ever again too. I had night terrors about the man, and sometimes I, I still do. I still don't know what to make of it all, but I, uh, I'm doubtful that I ever will. This was back in the 90s when our only option was a landline phone and also dial-up internet. I was around 8 to 9 years old when my mum started leaving me at home with my oldest brother while she went to work. My brother was much older, around 17 at the time in fact, and as most teenage boys, his favourite thing to do was sleep really late during the day and stay up all night playing video games. It was a PS1, don't come for me, I'm getting old. But I remember being bored just playing with my Barbies in the living room of my house with the blinds wide open to let some light in and save on electricity. I would sit there for hours and play in fact. When mum was gone though, she always told us to answer the phone when it rang in case she was calling to check on us and make sure that we were okay. I remember one day specifically, I answered the phone and just heard sort of loud breathing on the other end of the phone. I kept saying hello, but no one would reply, so eventually I would just hang up. This went on daily for like two months as well, and 
it was always in the morning time when my brother was asleep. Being a naive 8-9 to nine year old girl though, I didn't really think anything of it and eventually the call stopped so that was good. A few months go by and I'm sitting in my living room floor again when the phone rings. I hear the same breathing again and I say, hello, who is this? And to my surprise, a man replies and says, hello kitten, do you remember me? I remember being surprised that he called me kitten but replying that he must have had the wrong number. And this is where it gets creepy. He then replies, no kitten, I have the right number. You're wearing a kitty shirt right now, aren't you? I remember looking down and immediately panicking and hanging up the phone when I see the tabby kitten on my shirt. The phone then rings again and I just refuse to answer it. I quickly run up to wake my brother up and he sleepily follows me down to the living room. The phone rings again and he answers it but nobody's there. He then unplugs the phone and tells me that it's just my imagination and to leave him alone so that he can sleep. Being scared, I decided to close the windows though and sit on the couch until my mum got home that afternoon. That night, I told my mum what had happened but my brother told her that I was making it up and that he didn't see or hear anything. I think that my mum believed me but she told me to just hang up the phone if it wasn't her and to never open the door for a stranger or anything like that. I agreed and I told her that I wouldn't. That next day my mum was off to work again and she took me to the store with her this time. We were walking around when I noticed a man in a long trench coat. I thought the coat was weird but didn't really think much of it. We then ran into one of my mum's friends who has a daughter my age. My mum and her friend were just sort of chatting away and me and my friend were just sort of standing a few feet from them messing around with birthday cards and stuff. And then we went around to the other side of the cards to take a look there and we were out of sight of our mums. When suddenly, the man with the trench coat is right next to us, looking at the cards too. He then picks up a card and turns to me and my friend and says hello. Being polite, we responded with a quick hello back. But then he starts picking up cards and saying that he's getting his daughter something and asks what we like. My friend points to a random card and he smiles and says that that's nice. He then picks up another card and shows it to us. And the card has kittens all over it. And he looks directly at me and says, I'm sure you like kittens, don't you? I didn't really know how to respond and... I remember feeling extremely nervous, but he smiled when he saw me get nervous and he says, kittens and Barbies, right? This kicked my fight or flight into action, even at the young age of eight or nine. I nervously laughed and said that we had to go back to our mums right now. The man then reaches out and grabs my arm. My friend takes off running around the corner to get my mum. The man tries to pull me to the front of the store, but I kick him as hard as I can and go flying out of his grip. He then gets up and runs out the door about the time that my mum makes it over to me. The police are called and a report is eventually filed. To my knowledge, they never actually found the man, but my mum was extremely paranoid after hearing the link between the phone calls and the incident, and she quickly found a new house in the city right over from us, not even a month later. Thankfully, too, that was the last time that I heard from that guy. But it was definitely quite a close call.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So before I start this, I just want to make it abundantly clear to everyone that, yes, I know I was incredibly stupid, but I was also very young, so you're just going to have to forgive me. So when I was 15, my sister and I, we actually ran away from home. Dumb decision number one, I know. I was gone for a total of about six months, and at some point for about two weeks, we were living in a rundown motel. One night, while I was by myself, I was sitting on the stairs of the motel just flipping through a magazine. Stupid decision number two. When a grown man walks by me and starts to talk to me. He asks me my name and why I'm sitting outside. I ask him if he's a cop. Extremely stupid decision number three since this shows him that I don't want cops involved as I was a runaway. He asked, do I look like a cop? He didn't to be honest. He said that he had some alcohol though in his room and that he was willing to share it if I'd like to come up and drink with him. At 15 to me, free alcohol sounded great. So I said okay and I went to him and to his room. Stupid decision number four. We got to his room though and I began drinking and talking a bit. I forget what I asked him but at some point I asked him something that made him get his ID out and show it to me. Under his name too I noticed that it had a fender under his name in red. Warning bells immediately went off at this and I asked what that meant and he replied what do you think it means? At that point, I just wanted the heck out of there. As I'm thinking that though, an additional grown man walks into the room. He sees me, smiles, and they both nod to each other, and I am now in a locked motel room with two grown men. I turn to the first guy and tell him something, like, I have to get something out of my room real quick, then I'll be right back. I must have sounded believable too, because he said, you'll come right back. I said, of course, I want to keep drinking. He then asked what room number I was in and I lied and I made one up, of course. And by the grace of God, he actually let me out of the room. I briskly walked back to my room, 
Not even a minute later, too, the phone rings. I picked it up, and he said, why did you lie to me? I said, what do you mean? You lied about your room number. I watched you go into your room, he told me. I told him that it must have slipped my mind as I was talking to him earlier. He then told me to come back upstairs to his room so that we can keep hanging out. I told him that I'd be right back up and I then proceeded to unplug the phone from the wall and curl up into a ball since I was so afraid that he was going to try and come and get me. I still to this day do not know why he just let me leave like that. I mean, he didn't have to. Lord knows what would have happened to me that night if I hadn't. It's scary to think about since I was a runaway too. No one would have known anything too. I had no ID and I was going by a different name at the time. I eventually looked up what offender means too and most websites say that it means the person is a sex offender or out on parole at least. Which means that I was very lucky that night. Surprisingly though, it took me becoming an adult to really realize the danger that I was in that night. To me at 15, he was just a creepy guy and I instinctively knew that I had to get out of there. But it wasn't until years later that I just really, truly understood how bad that situation could have become. I've lived in Southern California my entire life pretty much, and if you know anything about California, it's very diverse. Up north is filled with mountains and trees, and the south is a lot more, well, city-like. And this summer I decided to take a trip to Lake Tahoe. It's a beautiful place and my first time being upstate, but I'll chop this story up into segments of sorts to make it easy to understand. So day one, I settled into the cabin at around 5pm. After an 8 hour drive, I was pretty tired too, so I went and lay down in the bed that was in the loft. It was quiet too, it was like being in a different world. I was so used to cars zooming by and people talking right outside of my house, but here, it was quiet. I fell asleep fairly quickly too, but around 4 hours into my sleep, I jerked up from my sleep... I looked around for a bit before hearing a strange tapping noise. I looked around to see where it was coming from, but to no avail. It honestly sounded like somebody was tapping on the window part of the back door, but in the end I just figured that I was being paranoid and I fell back to sleep. Day two, nothing happened that day and I slept fine. Day three, I woke up early in the morning, maybe four o'clock, and I heard a crash coming from the attic ladder that was placed conveniently right behind the couch that I was sleeping on. And I completely froze. And then I heard footsteps. You know that feeling you get when you feel like somebody is staring at you? That's how I felt. I was on my side staring straight ahead when suddenly I felt somebody or something crawl over me. I felt their two hands on either sides of me and I knew their face was only inches away from mine. Like I said, I was facing straight ahead and I wasn't going to turn to face to see who it was. They stayed there too for what must have been at least two minutes until I just felt them crawl backwards and then off the couch. I heard the dog let out a sort of muffled bark. 
in which time someone shushed her then let out a, a good girl. The presence stayed there for what felt like forever until I heard footsteps going out of the back door. Still, I, I didn't move. I was paralyzed with fear. But needless to say, I didn't go back to sleep that night. I checked on my friends a bit later on when I felt the coast was clear. None of them had left their rooms that night and I told them my experience and they said that that was weird and I was being paranoid. And in the end, I sort of halfway agreed with them and our day just went on as planned. Later that day, after a day at the lake with my friends, we came back to a quiet and cozy cabin. The caretakers of the cabin told us that there was a river a bit farther back into the woods, about a 15 minute walk, and my friends decided to stay back and rest, so I took some bug spray and a small backpack with some snacks and my phone. It was a pretty straightforward trail. There was tall grass on either sides of the trail, and it was a thin path, but pretty easy to navigate. When I got to the riverbank, there were two picnic tables there. I didn't want to get eaten alive by mosquitoes, and I had stupidly worn sandals. So I put my bag on the table and fumbled around with some stuff for a bit, and then I started my walk back to the cabin. But for some odd reason too, the path just seemed distorted. What was once a straightforward trail was now covered in rough terrain. I noticed the tall grass on the side of the path that had been disturbed, and it was as if something huge, and I mean gigantic, had walked across the long grass. At first, I thought maybe it was just a bear, since the locals had told us that bears were a problem this time of year. But the sheer size of it made me sort of second-guess it. I was a bit taken aback by this, but I continued, and I made it back to the cabin. Then I went back to the river eventually, and... I was a little frightened now, but I kept telling myself that I was just freaking myself out and I should enjoy the nature. I sat down at one of the tables and watched the river for a bit, but after a while I could have sworn that there was something staring at me. I looked around, assuming one of my friends was on their way to prank me, but there was no one. Across the river I noticed a bit of brush that was shaken up. There was a clearing in the bushes that was fenced off by two logs in a sort of X shape. The longer that I sat in that spot, the more worried I became. I just couldn't help but feel that there was something behind the thick brush that I couldn't see. I went down the river at that point, hoping to come across some kind of life, but there was like literally nothing. No fish, no frogs, no roads, just mosquitoes and... A bunch of them at that. Disappointed now with the lack of anything, really, I just went to sit back at the table and that was when I heard it. It was a noise that I just really find hard to describe. It was a scream, but more like a gurgle as if whatever it was had a mouthful of water. It was inhuman, definitely, but I froze and in that moment I should have been running for my life, I know, but... In the end, I just froze. I heard rustling in the bushes behind me, the ones that I was worried about earlier. Then again, the scream, and it was the loudest thing that I'd ever heard. And then I just ran. I sprinted my butt through that forest, and what should have been a quick trip back to the cabin was anything but that. Because after about 10 minutes of sprinting, I finally noticed that I was completely lost. 
I stopped for a few moments, frantic to see if I could find anything that looks familiar. And then I saw a bridge that I crossed on my way there, and I started sprinting that way. I thought to myself, why didn't the damn thing just kill me? I mean, I'd stopped for a good minute. And then I could hear it chasing me again. It felt like it was a, a game for this thing. What I mean is that every time I stopped, it would as well. Eventually, I finally made it back to my cabin, and instead of going inside, I just sort of stood on the porch. I faced the forest, and I just cried. I couldn't see anything out of the ordinary, but somehow I just knew that it was still out there. I didn't want to turn my back to it, so I must have sat there for hours, just silently crying away, occasionally checking my phone, and, well, writing this down. I don't know what the heck that thing was. The only thing that I can even compare it to is maybe a Wendigo or something, but I've never heard of Wendigos gurgling like that. All I do know is that I will not be going back to that river ever again. If you could please shed some light on what or who might have been out there, then I would really appreciate it. These past two days have just been too weird to not be connected. Also, we actually burned some sage that night before heading to bed. Brett, one of the guys there, came up to me at around 4 in the morning and told me that he couldn't sleep. We watched TV for a little while before, again, we hear the taps on the back window. We decided not to check it out because, well, quite frankly, we were scared as heck, but after about 10 minutes, the tapping stopped. But Brett and I took turns on sleeping and no other strange things occurred that night. Brett and I were actually woken up by loud banging on the shed out back, but that could have been an animal or anything really. But at this point, I'm just really excited to get back to my city life and leave this place forever and all of its weird stuff behind me. Anyway, I had my friend Brett go up into the attic too while me and some others watched from below, but there was of, of course nothing up there. And to be honest, I'm really not sure if I feel better or worse knowing that there's nothing up there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When I was a teenager, my older brother moved out and my parents both worked late. So occasionally I would spend evenings by myself after school. We lived in the countryside, a few miles outside of town, and had a good collection of neighbors. The day just went as normally as ever as well. I went to school, got home, turned on the TV, had a snack, and texted one of my friends who I had a crush on. It wasn't long afterward that I noticed a man outside of my house, and he walked past a few times. He wasn't an ordinary person walking around the block, too. He looked scraggly and sort of unkempt. I ducked as far as I could behind a chair, still trying to see him out of the living room windows, hoping that he didn't see me. But soon, he came to the front door and he knocked. 
I was uh, texting my friend the entire time, increasingly getting freaked out, obviously. As he knocked on the door, I stupidly went to answer it as well. I had my phone with me with 911 at the ready. I tried to sort of silently unlock the door to not alert the man, and then I opened the door a crack. There was a screen door separating myself and the man. I was ready to slam the door and lock it if anything happened, but the man just sort of looked at me with crazed and paranoid eyes. He had a large dark beard and looked to be maybe in his late 50s or early 60s if I had to guess. He seemed out of breath and his face was just drenched with sweat. He was larger too, more the reason to keep my guard, right? But I sheepishly said hello. Please, call the police, they're after me, he said in an exhausted smoker voice. He kept looking at the road and tensed to whenever a car would occasionally pass. Uh, who's after you? I asked, getting ready to slam the door. Listen, I barely escaped. They were right behind me, please. Can I come inside? And at this, I knew to call the police. Just wait here, okay? I'll, I'll get someone to help. My heart was completely in my throat at this point. I didn't know if this guy was going to try and force his way into the door, so I quickly shut it and I locked it. I ran to check the back door as well and locked that as well as I called 911. My heart was racing and I could barely tell the operator my information, but they said that they would send somebody out. It wasn't long too until a patrol car arrived, but it felt like forever, I can tell you. The entire time I kept watching the man who then walked into my driveway, pacing nervously. The officer got out and proceeded to talk with this guy and they got in the car and they left. I still have no idea what happened to this guy too, nor if he was even telling the truth. He could have been drunk or crazy, but it was genuine fear in his eyes, I think, when I looked at him. Something truly scared this guy and it scared me to think that there could be someone out there that wanted people for whatever reason as much as he seemed to be letting on. Anyway, like I said, I really don't know what happened to the guy but I do wish him all the best. Earlier this year, to celebrate the 4th of July, I was having a few drinks with my parents, and as we were discussing several different topics, we eventually stumbled into sharing some ghost stories. I mean, we've all heard each other's usual stories before. In fact, I can write verbatim my dad's encounter with an elf, which I always find myself sort of chuckling doubtfully about. But that night, I brought up something that... I've really struggled to come to terms with for years now. So this took place when I was around 10 years old. I'm 25 now, so this was about 15 years ago. My friends and I lived in different neighborhoods around the town at the time, so since I was really the only kid of my age group who lived in my little part of the suburb, I would occupy my free time by just riding my little mermaid bicycle on the streets. It was a very lax part of the township, typical of the residential areas that surrounded the city, but one summer evening, I was wasting some time just before dinner, I think, by pedaling my bike up the street. When I was rolling to the T-shaped intersection that I would always stop and turn around at, I noticed two girls my age just sitting peacefully in front of the house opposite the intersection. 
They were staring at me too, almost as if they were aware of my imminent arrival. Both were wearing light-colored nightgowns, which I thought was a bit strange considering the time of day and, well, being outside like that. I can't recall if they were twins, but something tells me that they were, but I can't really remember much detail of their faces at all. As I got closer to the intersection on my bike, they called out to me cheerfully, beckoning me with jubilant arm motions to come towards them. And I did. I felt a, a rush of excitement toil over me at the thought of having a couple of new friends to play with. So I really wasn't asking why they were outside in nightgowns or even where they'd come from. Because, you see, the people that owned the house behind them were quite elderly. I mean, I rarely ever saw them leave the house at all. The edges of the property were quite grown over too, which made the house look neatly nestled away from the road. The only thing that I thought that was strange at the time was that the slight hill that was their front lawn was covered in sort of decorative river rocks. But the ones that are smoothly molded by water and look like little dinosaur eggs maybe. And that's what the girls were sitting on. Barefoot and in nightgowns. How uncomfortable I thought. They were both talking to me, telling me that I should come and play with them. And I said that I would love to, but I would have to bike home first and let my mum know where I'd be. They seemed less than thrilled at that idea and were definitely trying their hardest to coax me into staying there with them, telling me that I didn't need to tell my mum and that she wasn't that far away. I insisted that I'd be back very shortly and hopped on my bike and pedaled home. When I arrived back at my house, I threw my bike into the grass and ran up to our front door, opening it partially to ask my mum if it was alright if I played with two girls up the street. And my mum turned around and seemed sort of visibly confused, but she agreed, so I went back. I rode up to the house at the intersection, and when I did, they weren't there. I was a little disappointed. I even felt bad for having to run home first like I did. I walked my bike up the driveway and then proceeded to walk up to the door, knocking on it gently, and an elderly woman opened the door. I told her the girls asked me if I could play with them, and she said, but what girls? A puzzled look spread across her face. Uh, there were two girls outside just a bit ago. They asked if I could play with them. No kids here, sweetheart. You know, you're the only kid on the street, right? And then she shut the door. And after that, I never saw or heard of the girls ever again. Now, as I was telling this story to my parents, I sort of paused midway to make the disclaimer that I wasn't sure if this was some kind of extremely detailed dream that I had, sort of mixed up with my memories, or if it actually happened. My mum, though, she told me she actually remembered that day because she never remembered any children living on our street besides me, and it stuck out to her that I had asked to play with two girls up the road. So, after explaining this story to my parents, I ended up doing some research. And apparently, the phenomena of supernatural beings disguised as children, black-eyed children as they're referred to, is a, an urban legend. I had no knowledge of this being a, a thing, and although it's debunked, I will say that it's eerily similar to what I experienced with these girls. I don't really remember them having black eyes. In fact, it's almost as if their faces were sort of blurred from my memory entirely. 
They weren't acting ominous or intimidating, but they wanted me to stay with them in the sort of worst way. Ghosts, a glitch in the system, black-eyed children, or whatever it was. I'm struggling to find an explanation, as it's just been one of the most puzzling things that I've ever experienced. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.